Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Oh, is it started? (laughs) Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This, watching or listening, (laughs) whatever you're doing. We're so happy you're here. We hope last week you loved Nauvoo. Nope. Yeah, it was was last week. Yeah. I loved Nauvoo so much. I was thinking, oh, we did Liberty Jail last week. We We all wanted to be in Nauvoo together. Oh, one day. I just talked to somebody. Um, who said we could all go at yeah, the same time. Yeah, who was like, hey, if you ever take a group of people, can I be first on the list? I want to come. And it made me think, oh, that would be actually so rad. Can I we know. rent out the whole city and everyone stays in the people's houses, houses and, That'd be so and fun. stuff like that? Whose house? Oh, I already know. What a stupid question to who even ask you where choose? you were going to stay. I want to stay. I have two, actually. I'm a toss-up. Which one are you going to say? Wait, I'm going to guess your two and you see if you can guess mine. Your two are the mansion house. And Sarah Granger Kimball's little yellow house. Yeah, but it's white. And yes. Oh, is there not yellow flowers maybe? Yes, okay. all over. Okay. Mm-hmm. Want to guess? Hmm. You'll never get it. Did Porter Rockwell live in Nauvoo? Mm-hmm. That's where I'd put you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. He, was a, he just was a stud of a fella. Um, Orson Hyde. Oh. Because when he was gone on his mission... And his family was like destitute. Um, everybody else in the city pitched in and built this house for him. Oh, that's so, so nice. And so like that house is like a, you know. Yeah. You know when my parents' house flooded after yes. Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. And then all the neighbors came and friends came together to help rebuild it. And then we gave them this little painting of the house. And there's a little phrase on it that oh. just like, these walls are now evidence of the goodness of God and people. Oh, you know, because so they were rebuilt by yeah. neighbors and friends. And so that's what I love about that house. So I get to stay there. There's a couple rooms in it, if any of you want to share. Mansion House is huge. Yes. You, you get all those people I'll in there. all the people. Too. We are getting to the end, y'all, oh. of the Doctrine You're going to love this lesson so much. You are going to love this lesson just because it is the end. It's kind of a review chapter. I shouldn't say it is the end. No one's going to listen to anything else. There, oh. We still have a lot of good things yeah. coming. <laughs> but, but this kind of is like your farewell. Yeah, it kind of, yeah, yeah. And then it just, oh, but then section 135 and then when we go to Martin's Cove, all those things are so awesome too. I know, too. and wait, and what about the two declarations? Oh, and so the porch. Good. The conversation the porch, on the, the porch. The conversation on the porch. You guys can't wait for the conversation on the porch. <laughs> we're um, keeping it a secret. Yeah, it, those are all coming. But we're just, it's winter. It's winter. It's coming. Um, we're just getting close to the Old Testament, which, by the way, real quick, Hand everything is now everything is now available for pre-order for the Old Testament. It's getting so fun. You guys, we sometimes, we just start talking about the Old Testament and then we just can't stop. That's how good <laughs> it's going to be. So these are up for pre-order. These in the um, Old Testament are up for pre-order. People who want to know about this. Um, Say for the podcast, people, what you're holding oh, up. I'm holding up right now the Word of Week posters. And those are going to be so fun this year because we are doing the Hebrew meaning of 52 of our favorite words from the Old Testament that will have the definition and and the verse that they're in. And we're a little bit going to learn Hebrew. We're just pretending. Yeah. And they are just hanging reminders of the lesson of the week. Yeah. You know, they're just, your they're, favorite. All, they're just, yeah, I love them because they're so, they're right in our kitchen and they're really easy to just remember all week what we're, we're studying. The study guide journal, this is what we go through for each of our lessons each week. It's what this paper is based off of. And you can kind of listen and fill this out as, as you go through. Um, we used to make these for our seminary classes when we taught them and people would just fill them out and take notes and they take them to church. And that's the journal. Right there. These are on pre-order and they always sell out. So if you want one before Christmas, that's why we're telling you in October and that feels far away. And then this was just on Emily's porch. Like it was a bottle of milk. Um, <laughs> it was really exciting. Yeah. It just came in this random box. It just came. So they are like, we can see printed ones now. This is a daily devotional and it takes one verse of scripture and gives a little thought or a story about it. So if you just want to do one in the morning at breakfast or at night before you go to bed, that's what we do. That is what um, this little book and is for. And it was for. 
almost every chapter in the Old Testament because you guys, the Old Testament is three years long. It's That's gigantic. It Just us. wait <laughs> until you see the wide margin scriptures. Yes. Um, the, the study, book. yeah, the study version of the Old Testament is the it's it's the whole. I almost said Declaration of Independence, but, <laughs> but that about yeah. that long. Encyclopedia. And Gigantum. we just finished reading that Old Testament book. And don't be sad that I cried through four chapters, everybody, of this. Oh, oh this one. You're just going to love the Old Testament. We can't wait. We but can't wait. You can't wait for this lesson. Yes. Um, in the Doctrine so and Covenants. Good. We're this in, one's going to be so good. We're still me. in Nauvoo. So luckily last week you saw pictures of Nauvoo and you were mm. there. And so you can kind of see it. And this is, a, in, this is interesting because this lesson, I almost want to say, was like written for 2021. Oh. You know, where it was like these letters, most of the section is, is letters from Joseph to the saints. And it really is about how, how do I find, our word of the week is gladness. But when we tell you what's happening in Nauvoo, you will <laughs> think that is not gladness, you know, and you know what's to come. But there is something about the way he sees things. He mm -hmm. sees um, he, he listens to a different voice and he sees through a different set of eyes. Yeah. And he's trying to show and teach people how to, how to do that, yeah. that we're all going to face hardship in life. Um, so what will you do with it when it, like that's inevitable. Yeah. No one's going to escape that. Right. But how am I going to approach it? Yes. That's and what's so going to, you know, what's going to happen? So yeah. we have these, it just moves through a couple sections that are great section. Um, we have just for the prayer and the need of the situation, um, life in Nauvoo, you know, is kind of what's going on in each section is a little different. So we'll do that as we go through. But section 125 is, um, what, what about the Iowa Saints? <laughs> um, now what's happening in that section is you've got the Mississippi river and you have Nauvoo being built up on this side. And then you have this city across the river. It's called Montrose today. But back then they called it Zarahemla. It was such a mistake. <laughs> Whoever changed the name. Back I just to, to Montrose. I want yeah. it to be Zarahemla. They were so tired bad. of writing it on the postcards. It was so long. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh my gosh, Z. And, that's all, and the zip code is all they did because it got so long. So they shortened it maybe. You, but, he's making that up, everyone. Don't email us and say that's <laughs> not true. Because that is 100% not true. <laughs> well, you don't know. Somebody go look it up and then email us if I'm right. Only if I'm right. <laughs> Um, so what happened in section 124 is the Lord said, it's ever bring everybody in to Nauvoo to help build the temple, like gather all of the saints together is what that. So people were asking, should we move across the river and should we come? And this is the answer. And it has two parts that I just think are so sweet, um, in section 125. And one of them, the questions in verse one, what should we do? Um, I love that he says this, starts by saying this in verse two, verily thus saith the Lord. I say unto you, of those of you calling themselves by name and are essaying to be my saints, which is a word, no essaying, nobody uses that word ever. And it is a word that means trying. And I, I think that is one of the most encouraging um, things I could read right now in my life. For some reason, over the last couple of days, that has just been like, a, mm. oh, like I, I really love, we beat ourselves up. Like we're so bad at that. We just yeah. like are calling out each other and we're, we're meaner to ourselves in the mirror. And the Lord is saying, uh, hey, all of you who are trying to be saints, that's what, that, not yes. saints, because you're like, if I were to say, are you a saint? You would say, yes, you are. That's dumb. But like, <laughs> if I would ask someone else, you know, they would be like, no, they'd be really uncomfortable calling themselves a saint, you know? But I just like that he's like, hey, those of you who are, trying to be saints. And I love too when he says my saints, right? Does he, did I just make that up? I Where want, yeah, it? yeah, that's it in verse yeah. two. I love We're trying to be my, my saints. saints. I just yeah. love when he's like, I see you. I see what you're doing great. You know, it just feels like he's like, you're not like, we're not done yet, but you're doing great. Right. Yes. Yeah. Such an encouraging line before he ever answers the question. And, and he says, hey, those people are trying to be my saints. They look like this. Here's your fill in the blanks here. They do my will and they keep my commandments and they build up. And we stopped the sentence right there. They build up, not just, they were building up a city. But I think God still calls us to just build up whatever mm -hmm. your work is. If it's your friend, build them up right now. If it's, if it's your family, build up your family right now. And we now. really do. We if actually it's... need to. I'll never forget. Remember, I've told you the story, but you're not going to remember because it was years ago. 
You guys, once I had four kids get married in seven months, it was crazy. And I was, for the fourth wedding, we had bought all the things that we needed. And then it was the day when you just return everything you're not going to use. And it was going to be the longest day ever. And I was at Down East and I had this whole sack of returns. And this mom had her little girl, probably eight years old, and she had done returns in front of me. And then she looked down at her little girl when they were all done, because it took a kind of a long time and they got all done. And she looked down at her and she said to her, you are doing so good. Oh. And listen what I did. I couldn't help it. I looked at the mom and I was like, oh, I need someone to say that to me right now. Oh. And the mom just grabbed me by my shoulders <laughs> and just looked me right in the eye. And she was like, you are doing so good. <laughs> I was like, I just wanted to cry. I'm like, I just need someone to say, you're doing good. I see you trying. Yeah. You're, you're doing good. Right. You know, and, and the fact that he's like, I'll do it, but... You need to turn around and grab each other by the shoulders and build people up right now. Just build them up. Yeah. And it's cool in the context of them saying they read section 124 and they were like, do we need to move? <laughs> you know, like, what do you want us to do? And yeah. they're starting by saying like, I really love you guys. <laughs> yes. Like, you just are just trying yes. your very, very best. And yes. it's so darling. And, and then he gives this line, which is kind of a really um, cool line if you know the future, which we do mm -hmm. because we live in it. And he says this, build up those cities that they may be prepared for that which is in store for a time to come. Um, which is interesting because if you live when this section was given back in March 1841. And remind him the cities are going to be? Nauvoo and Zarahemla. And I drew the river. Oh, it's in your study guide also if you need to see the river and <laughs> the two cities across the way from each other. Well, um, in about, what is it? Five years from yeah, there? 1846. Yeah, five years, they are going to, uh, the exodus from Nauvoo is going to happen. And they're going to have to cross the river that direction towards Iowa, where Montrose is. And that city will be built up and there will be places to stay. And there will be like room to receive the saints as they begin their trek across west. And this is, it's just one more bit of evidence mm. of a God who knows the end from the beginning and is preparing us. Um, for things to come. Mm -hmm. So good. One of our favorite parts, that section 125, you might want to write notes in there so you'll remember when you read it, just how sweet it is that he already knows what's coming and how to prepare us for a time to come, whatever that might be. So section 125 was to a whole city. Section 126 is to just one man and his name is Brigham Young. You may have heard of him before. <laughs> And um, he has gotten home from his mission to England. You remember when they left, when we were in the far west uh, field trip? And they left and they sang and laid the cornerstones and snuck out and knocked mm -hmm. on that guy's door. And then they went to England and they had a wonderful, successful mission. Remember, they were sick as dogs when they left. And that's the mm -hmm. hurrah for Israel yes. stories, you know, that, every, that, that everyone loves, you know. And they just, because they cheered up, members for their families, yes. they were laying and in the wagon. And they were so sick. And they were so sick. And they're like, our families are going to be so sad watching us sick. Let's give them a cheer. Yes. See, they, they practically wrote section 125, uh, <laughs> building up people. And so, and they, hurrah, and they go to England. And um, England, as you know, the saints there end up being the salvation of the church. So many people left, you know, during the Kirtland apostasy days. And the lifeblood of the mm. church is the English saints and the European saints that flood into Nauvoo. So that mission literally saves um, the church. And, and they had a great mission. But when he gets back, his house that his family is living in is this dilapidated, like, fixer-upper. Like, Chip and Joe would have loved it because it was <laughs> so bad. And it just was leaky and gross and junky. And then this section comes. And in this section, um, first we love, by the way, that Joseph mm. starts it before he says what the Lord wants to say. He says, my dear and well-beloved brother, Brigham Young. I think that's so sweet way to, to start that letter. I do too, because do you know I'm in love with that word beloved right <gasps> now? Wait, me too. Oh, But do you know why I am? No, I have been for a first. long time. Go ahead. Because the name David means beloved of oh. the Lord. So you've been in love with it your whole life. Yep. <laughs> so welcome oh, to the club. That is awesome. And I love it for this. Sometimes I think we forget we are. 
Yes. I just, I think we're so busy living and doing and becoming and all those things. And I've been studying um, the rich young ruler in the New Testament in Mark. Yeah. And that one, when he goes to the Lord and he's like, what else should I do? And what is my lack? And before they even enter that conversation. Yeah, his focus is on, his focus is on the lack. Yeah. What, what, right? what do I need to be doing more? And I love that Mark tells us it's only the, in the Mark one. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Before anything, before he even was like, well, you could be doing better at whatever. I love that he just like, he just looked at him and he's like, I just, I love this kid, you know? And do we ever take the time to just let God love us? Mm. Just be loved. Yeah. That's why I like it so yeah, much. Because it says, be beloved. Loved. But it, he's like, just telling you, you should be, be loved. space like, loved. Let me yeah. just love you. That do you is, want to think of that now? I am going to from now on. <laughs> okay. I want you to be loved. Yes. That word means fully loved. Um, but I actually want to put a space now in forever and ever. I, you are my, well, I'm not going to say it like that. It doesn't make sense grammatically. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just, just want you to be loved, loved. by me. I, I, I had a girl ask a question in class the other day and I, and I just, I really wanted to rewind and say, I actually think you need to start with the premise of this is a God. You believe you have a God who is good and who adores you. Like you, mm-hmm. you start there. You have you have to begin there, or you're going to be off track from step one. Yeah. Like you have to come back and be like, wait, this has to be approached under the premise and and the knowledge of the fact that like God really likes you, you know, mm-hmm. that He's for you. Yeah, He loves you, and and now go on to step two. Yes, right. And you love that. That's where He starts this. Right, dear. And well-beloved. Yeah. So this is what the Lord wants to say to Brigham. I'm not going to ask you to leave your family um, like I have in the past anymore. And I also want to say about your trip to England, your offering is acceptable to me. I love that part. Yeah. Acceptable. Don't think of that as like, ah, it's like a C. Um, I have received it Mm. like as a gift. Like, thank you. Thank, yes. You know, this is a, a thank you yeah. for your offering. And we love this line. And we just left only the three words in the journal. I have seen. I've seen your labor. I've seen your toil. I've seen your journeyings in my name. I just want you to know I, I've seen everything that you've been a part of and, and, and done for me. And I just thank you. This is a thank you letter. Yeah. Sometimes we just need to like stop and, and have that moment where we're like, am I good with you? God, like, yeah. how are we doing? And I think he would just look down and be like, oh, just let yourself be loved by me. I see you. I see everything you're doing. You're, mm-hmm. you're doing great things. You know, just, he's just going to take you by the shoulders. Yeah, and we're, like, you're doing we, so good. And what is it? I don't know. There's something about human nature that we look in the mirror and we think, like, if you answered 75 emails... What you would do is be mad that you didn't finish the full hundred. Yes. You know, you would yes. be like, Ugh. but like, what about the fact that like, wait, you know, or if you even got out of bed in the morning, that's what we want to say. Good yeah. job. So good. You know, we love um, 126. Yeah, it's Aaron, just sweet. We love it. It's a sweet one. Okay. And then 127. Oh, this and is, I love 127. Right. So and this much. is what's happening in 127 and 128. And this is going to make you love these sections mm-hmm. even more if you know what's going on. So, um, Governor Boggs, who's in Missouri, who is the one who signed the um, extermination order and the get out of Missouri order, right? Is it the extermination order? Yes. Right. All of a sudden I thought that, that was you only for bug bugs. Yes. I loved my bug man growing up. Okay. I think he was also my doctor. Um, <laughs> in my mind, they're the same person. I hope it was. <laughs> David's mom, please email and say if that's true or not. Only believe 50%. So 127, Governor Boggs, that governor of Missouri, there was an attempted assassination. Um, He was shot in his living room. Um, He did not die from the bullet, but he immediately thought and blamed it was Joseph Smith and his henchman, uh, Porter Rockwell, whose house I'm going to live in, Mm -hmm. and Orson Hyde's. um, Don't kill the governor. I I won't. (laughs) Why would you? 
think that's where I was going to go next. Um, like it was a natural next step for me or something. Um, I, yeah. So he thought it was them. And so they are now, there's a warrant for their arrest for attempting. So they are trying to send, um, a, you know, the constable into, into what city are they in? Nauvoo. Nauvoo. To extradite him, bring him back to Missouri to go back to court, maybe back to jail again. And uh, so Joseph is in hiding. He is hiding from those people. He, there is so much happening. God is pouring out so much knowledge on the saints. And there's so much, and they're building the temple and so much is going on. And, and they're trying to come in and arrest him under false charges. Um, the governor of Illinois is going to be doing the same thing. He actually goes and turns himself in. And the governor of Illinois like drops all the charges. And, and anyways, he is hiding um, in an attic of his friend's house, and he writes these letters to the church, 127 and 128. So when you read these, you have to picture in your mind Joseph cramped in an attic in this Nauvoo house in, in late summer. And I don't know if you've been to Nauvoo in late summer. He wanted to hide in the swamp. He <laughs> might have. Some days he might have been in the swamp. It would have been so muggy <laughs> and so hot and that, you know, like half the revelation might be gone from sweat dripping on the paper. We don't know. But like that is his condition that he's in. And, and these are the letters that he writes. Yeah. Oh, and it's so good. I, there's just a couple lines as you get in here. Every so often there's just parts of the Doctrine and Covenants that in my mind are just like a good poem. This is one of mm. those. Because I love when he talks about, inasmuch in verse 1, as their pretenses are all founded in falsehood of the blackest dye. Like, you can just imagine him up there just rethinking and rethinking and trying to figure out how he got himself where he is. And, and you feel that frustration. Like, do you know how false this is? It's as false as the blackest dye. That's how <laughs> false it is. And I love when he says this, when I learn that the storm is fully blown over, then I will return to you again, right? That he's just, that you just feel that storm that is taking place. And then I love this when he says in verse two, and as for the perils which I am called to pass through, they seem but a small thing to me as the envy and wrath of man have been my common lot all the days of my life. Like, it's so interesting that he's like, this is how my life has always been. Think about it. Since he was 14. Right. This, this is just kind of the way my life goes, he says. And for what cause it seems mysterious. Unless I was ordained from before the foundation of the world for some good end or bad, as you may choose to call it. Like, I love that he is just like sitting up there in that place. And he's like, and some people are going to see the good in this. And obviously... Some people are going to call it bad. and But for some reason, this is the life I live in. This is the common law of the days of my life. And then I love when he says this, you judge for yourselves because God knows all these things. And I just this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before that. I love that there are sometimes when all the world may seem to be against you, but I love that he's like, everybody, I just took a moment to ask God, how am I doing? You know, and... And I'm right with God. So as long as I'm right with God, you all judge for yourself what you think is going on. And, and I love when he says this, God knoweth all these things, whether it be good or bad. And then this is one of my favorite lines of the whole Doctrine and Covenants. But nevertheless, deep water is what I am wont to swim in. And I just love the thought of that where he's like, it's never going to get easy for me. I'm never going to be in the shallow end. Uh, like I am going to be treading water for my entire life. That, that is what my life is going to be. And, and I just think there's probably people listening. Um, and we've been in spots like that where you're like, this is, this is like a deep water moment. I am in a deep water moment. And, and we call it that, right? Deep waters. But I love when he's like, deep water is what I am want to swim in. Like, I'm just going to be here for the rest of my life. Yeah, and when he says, this is, it almost feels like second nature to me. Yes. I just have always just experienced this. And, and it doesn't mean that God is mad at me. And yeah. it doesn't mean, you know, that I'm not doing things correctly or right or that yeah. I'm not trying. It's just, this is just my lot. Yep, this, this is, is my the, lot in yeah. life. <laughs> and I love when he says this, he talks about Paul. And you just wonder if, like, that We've kinship. talked about before, our inclination is when you're in a, 
in a spot to go into scripture and see who else has been in this place before and what can I learn from them. And I love that his scripture friend in this part of the story is going to be Paul, right? But it's just like Paul, I'm learning to glory in tribulation for to this day has the God of my fathers delivered me out of them all. And he's going to continue to deliver me. And I love in verse three, when he's like, let all the saints rejoice, right? (laughs) Do you think everybody's like, what? (laughs) Why are you saying that? Um, Therefore, and be exceedingly glad. And then you just love this line. For Israel's God is their God. Like, it's going to be okay, everybody, because, because our God is Israel's God. And we love that sentence. If we were to say that line at the end of next year, you guys, after the Old Testament, Israel's God is our God you would think you were on the championship team, whatever (laughs) sport you want to play. Yeah. You love that line. I know you wanted to say something. Well, I just, the one, the, like the line right before it is what is, it it almost describes who Israel's God is, where he says, listen, I'm going to triumph over all my enemies. The Lord said that I would. So it doesn't look, it doesn't matter that it looks like they're winning right now because in, when I was in jail, in liberty, he told me, don't worry, one day you're going to triumph over. And that's who Israel's God is, mm. right? It's a God who delivered them again and again and again from yeah. all of their enemies. And it's one of the reasons we actually are really excited for the Old Testament, because you get to learn who Israel's God is mm. and what that line means. Like in one year from now, that line will mean so much That's you so know, true to all of us. Yes. So... Um, that's just awesome that, again, you said last time when we were in Liberty or the time before when mm-hmm. we were in Liberty that just like he will remain ever optimistic. Yes. After that. Yeah, he never experience. loses his optimism from Liberty. And you love that. I mean, we see it. He's in up in this little place and he's still like, And it's awesome it's okay, that he's going to the Old Testament and he's saying like, I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Because Israel's God is my God. Yeah. You know, I have a Jericho God. I have a Red Sea God. Yes. That is who I have. And so yeah. I'm okay in the attic. Um, you would love that we're going to go from 127.3. In just a second, we're going to go over to section 128. And he's going to talk about this voice of gladness. He's going to go into this. He just wants us to know about um, this funny word that we picked for our word of the week, gladness, because it's not really a glad time in the history of the church. But he's just has found a spot to sit and reflect in there. And we love when he goes, we're going we're gonna to jump you to the end of 128 for a second because then we're going to come back. But he wants to talk about the great day of the Lord is at hand in verse 24. And who can abide the day of his coming and who can stand, he asks. And I love that thought in his time. I love that thought in our time. No matter what time you live in, I love when he's like, you know what? One day Jesus is going to come. Like he is going to. And who's going to be able to stay in the day of his coming? Who will be able to stand in that moment? And then he tells, he tells us, he says, he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. And he is going to sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he's going to purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. And then he talks about, um, let us go in his holy temple and, and be there and become part of who can stand in that time. Sometimes we talk about him as a refiner. And um, I don't know if this happens for you, but it happens for me. You, get, you just get a little nervous. Like the refining process sounds like it maybe hurts. I don't know if you've ever watched a refining process before, but um, I've heard people tell me tons and tons of times in classes, and I've actually never sat and watched someone refine silver. Have you? I want to. On YouTube. Okay, on YouTube. I I want to really watch someone someday. But um, what I've learned is that a refiner is really good at knowing, like it has to get hot enough to get rid of all the impurities, but you can't let it get too hot. You you have to know exactly what is right. And mm. in the refining process, you need both fire and water. You, you have to have both in order and you need to know how to use both of them. And when you think about that, like the thought of that fire, that refiner's fire, nobody wants to go 
in there. Right. And I love that Isaiah actually teaches us what the Lord is like as a refiner. He's like, let me, before you get too nervous about this refining process, let me just teach you about the refiner because he's good at this, right? This is what he does. He's good at it. And he says this, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, fear not for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. He tells them, right? That like you're mine. Remember the God who loves us, right? That we are beloved to him. He is the refiner. Isaiah tells us in chapter 43, this is verses one through five. And he says this, when you pass through the water, I will be with thee and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, right? This refining process I'm going to be with you in it. Mm. When you walk through the fire, you're not, you won't be burned. Mm. I'm going to be there. I know what I'm doing with you. He says, I am the Lord, thy God, the Holy one of Israel, thy savior. And then you love this part. Since that was precious in my sight, I have loved thee. So don't worry. This, this refining you're about to go through, fear not for I am with thee. That's the refiner. Don't you love that that is the refiner? Yeah, and I love that, you know, when you first see fire, you know, it initially makes you think like, oh, that, he, he's a destructive God, mm. you know, and, and how it's just rebranding that and just saying like, oh, no, 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 you don't understand what I'm talking about when, when I say this. Because generally you would think like, oh, I'm sorry about the fire, but if you talk to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you said, I'm sorry about the fire. They would say, oh, don't be. Because that is where we met God. Yes. And if you ask the children of Israel when they left Egypt, we're so sorry about the Red Sea, the floods of the Red Sea. They would say, oh, don't be. Because that's a miracle place mm. for us. And those things that normally can be destructive, God can use them. Like in, in Joseph's circumstance, like the governor of Missouri and others are trying to destroy him. And God's using that destructive fire and water that they're pouring at him and turning it into a sanctifying and like mm. beautifying process. Yeah. You know? And so we have that question on just your journal. You might need the other page to answer. Like if you want that Isaiah scripture, it's also in the journal. You're going to find it right there. Isaiah 43, one through five. And we love this thought of just letting you take a minute to sit in that place. Like Joseph was, what are your deep waters? And maybe just write those down. Sometimes I remember when um, my daughter was going through a really hard experience and she went over and sat with the bishop for counsel. And the only counsel he gave her on day one of that, just it, inviting him into her story was, I want you to go home and just pour out. That's mm. all I want you to do right now. I don't want you to work on anything. I don't want you to think of anything, read anything, nothing. I just, I want you to just pour out. And I love that thought of just, what are your deep waters? Like, it's okay to, to pour those out. And then um, to think about that, how is he refining you in them? And, and how do you see him in the waters and in the fire? Where is he in this part of the story? Yeah, and another way to say refining might be like, what am I learning? Mm. How, how am I changing? How... Yeah, or my heart, is my heart more tender? Like what, like those kind of questions might That's be good, so good to ask as part of that. Um, the subject, it's interesting because we didn't focus on what most people might focus on in 127, which is this, the, all that's kind of the intro of like, hey, it's okay mm -hmm. that all of this is going on. Um, but we have like really cool stuff, you guys, to talk about. Um, baptisms for the dead, duh. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a new yeah. doctrine for them. And so 127 includes at the end some instruction about it. And it's kind of the theme of 128 also. And I just, I, I really love the idea of Joseph. Like, I know, I listen, I have a warrant for my arrest. I get it. But, but you guys, we now have the authority to rescue our, our, our kindred dead. So should we talk about that? Mm -hmm. You know, and 127 is all about, oh, everyone, there should probably be some like um, structure and order to this. <laughs> because remember those first baptisms, people just ran to the river <laughs> as you would do. You know, if you learned there was a chance and like just baptized whoever for yes. whomever. And 
Vienna Jacks, remember, rides out on a horse, and <laughs> she and the horse are the first witness of baptisms, you know, so maybe that change will happen one day. Animals oh, can be witnesses. Vienna yeah. so much. So it's like he's just kind of giving some instruction on that and then really dives into, like, the significance of, of that that doctrine and these things that are being revealed right now, almost reminding everybody, he's like, y'all, do not get caught up Mm -hmm. in all this stuff. Remember what we are a part of and remember how good God is. And don't forget, you know, like we, 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 our God is Israel's God and we are modern day Israel and we're a part of something really big, you know, and that seems to be what, 128 is is kind of about. And as he's talking about um, this, he gets to this verse that we really like Mm. in 128. It's verse 11. Um, This doctrine of um, work for the dead. And he says this. Now, don't, this is a good intro. What if people started conference talks like this? (laughs) Now, the great and grand secret of the whole matter (laughs) and the summum bonum of the whole subject that is lying before us. Summum bonum is Latin. We do not know where Joseph learned Latin. Somewhere <laughs> along the way. I just learned, P.S., this week that he learned law in Liberty Jail. Oh. Alexander Donovan used to come to the jail window and, and would teach, teach him oh, law. Oh, that is so awesome. That's what he did in jail, by the way. <laughs> it's like, oh, he became a lawyer. He <laughs> took so the bar. Awesome. He's like, let me, uh, I, let me just get smart about this situation. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so summum bonum is a Latin phrase that means what is the greatest good? What's the most important thing that we want to keep our focus and our hearts on? And, um, we've got all this information coming. We've had all these keys. Mm. We've had all these angels that have come. So what, what's the point? You know, why is it all happening? And the answer is right here in the verse. Good thing he doesn't make his guess. And he says, <laughs> he says, it is in obtaining the powers of the holy priesthood, which are the blessings and, and the gifts and the powers of heaven, of God himself. Like that is what that means when you read it. He says, this is it, is that you might obtain that power over all of your enemies, the power to be changed, the, the power to become something more mm-hmm. like uh, the the powers of forgiveness of healing all of those powers that you might obtain every last one of them that was the point that's that's the summum bonum mm-hmm. of of all of this and you love that president nelson seems to be kind of in the same vein as joseph was in that he's particularly as you think about his last conference talk when he was like Okay, this I want you to understand the power of the holy priesthood, right? I want you to understand what's happening in the temple. I love as you go back and read through that conference address, he doesn't just say to us, we talked about earlier in 84 or 88, I can't remember which one we were in where we talked about, um, he's, he wants us um, to be thinking about parting the veil. And remember that one verse that we read that we loved so much in the ministering of angels and all of those things that I love when... President Nelson is like, listen, you need to learn how to draw upon the powers of heaven. You need to learn how to call upon angels. You need to learn how to part the veil, right? How to communicate. But all of a sudden I was like, I am so intrigued by the how-to right now, right? This is going to be like a how-to course. I need to get back in the temple because this is going to become a how-to. And I actually want to be able to do all those things. Yeah, and and the end of that verse, the idea that comes right after is really powerful in connection with it because this is the summum bonum, Mm. is that you might obtain all the powers and gifts of heaven. And he says, and there is someone given the keys and receiving the knowledge and the facts in relation to the salvation of the children of men, both living and dead. There is someone I've given as a gift and appointed to receive the direction and the revelation and the change and whatever is needed in order to teach you how to obtain those gifts, mm-hmm. how, how, how to part the veil, how to call upon um, holy angels. Like, um, so the, those two ideas together yeah, are... And I love the thought of that because as you think about and this time it was Joseph 
who had been given the keys to receive, um, it tells us he has no difficulty in obtaining a knowledge of facts in relation to the salvation of the children of men. And then I loved also in President Nelson's talk from conference when he talked about that was something Joseph started working on, but there was a moment when he said to Brigham, okay, Brigham, you are going to be tasked with figuring this out now, and you're going to work on this for a minute. And then it was interesting when President Nelson was talking about we're still receiving revelation for this, right? We're still pulling together all the pieces for this, and, and there may yet be changes in the future, and I love uh, that we kind of see that here. Yeah, there's even an example of it in here as he's going through. It's, it's verse um, 18. He's talking about, again, like this work for the dead. And he's just like, there's something really, really important about this. Moroni started talking to me about it like on day one in my bedroom, everybody. And he said that the whole earth is going to be smitten with a curse unless we can bind somehow together the whole human family, right? So like all these pieces have been coming since the beginning for him. And, an and, eight- and he's trying to put them all yeah. together, right? He's like, he's like I got to try and figure out all of this welding yeah right and 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 he create and he requotes malachi again and i love that he says this he's like i could have actually rendered a a plainer translation to that but it's fine how it is for (laughs) for what i want to (laughs) say you know and he says this in 18 it's a really long verse he's like there will be this curse unless there's a welding link of some kind between fathers and children and and he's like and you love that he's just yeah piecing it out as he goes together and then this sign he's like and behold what is it what is that welding link and he says it is the baptism for the dead. And those of us who live right now are like, um, no, I don't think that's it. <laughs> like, I don't think that's, that's how part you, of it. Yeah, I don't think that's how you bind families. And we wouldn't call that incorrect. We would just probably call it step incomplete. One. Yeah, yeah, step one. It's like, oh, yeah, that is actually where that process is going to begin. And it's going to end. And he will figure this out in later revelations. Like, oh, with actually sealing and binding children to parents and parents to children. And this is how we're going to create the welding link. But I, I, and we're going to watch him also struggle with piecing that together too, right? right. You see the beginning of that here where he's like, I got, I got it, I got it. Baptisms for the dead. And then God's like, well, that's good. Job. good. You're doing so good. We have more, <laughs> yeah. right? There's more that's going to come. And that we're, we're going to watch that process unfold like we watch God working with Joseph little by little by little yeah and and it's just neat to see that happening right there and then for President Nelson to have spoken in the most recent general conference about that same idea of there is one with keys who's going to direct and change and learn whatever needs to be learned in order to help each of us obtain the powers of the mm-hmm. holy priesthood or or the the powers of of, of heaven. Yeah. And it's so good because then Joseph's going to come back into this glad. Remember, we were, we were there in 127. And then he's like, what do we hear in the gospel? We have received a voice of gladness. And if you just read 19, we're going to go farther in a minute, but we're going to focus on 19 and 20 just for a second. He's going to talk about this voice of truth out of the earth. And it's going to be glad tidings for the dead and a voice of gladness for the living and the dead, glad tidings of great joy. He's going to talk about how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those that are bringing these good things. And then there's going to be this one line that is one of my favorite lines in all of 128, where he says, um, that say unto Zion, behold, thy God reigneth as the dews of Carmel. So shall the knowledge of God descend upon them. And what does that even mean is what you wonder. And I love one of the benefits of living in our time, in our generation, is the fact that you can actually Google now the dues of Carmel. And all of a sudden, one little scripture that feels a little bit poetic, but you're not sure where it's going, has so much meaning to it. And it's this dues of Carmel that you think about for a minute. Before I dive into it, I just have to tell you guys a story I think about every time. I get to this scripture many, many years ago, my little niece, Annie, had gone sledding with her family and they went down and she was walking her sled back up and this guy came down on his sled and crashed into her and hit her right in the head. And um, they ended up packing up and going home. She had the worst headache. And the next morning, my sister called and said, how would I know if Annie has a concussion or not? Because 
I can't wake her up. And if I do wake her up, she just immediately falls asleep and she keeps throwing up. And I was like, oh my heck, go to the emergency room right now. So they drove straight up to primary children's and within like 45 minutes, they were preparing for brain surgery. And my sister was so nervous. She called us and she was like, can anyone come up who can come up and just sit with us? And they're not sure what's going to happen. By the time they got up there, she was completely unresponsive. So they just didn't know what was going to happen. And um, we went up and sat up there. And on the way up to the hospital, I had just felt prompted to stop and pick up a bag of caramels. I love caramels and she also loves caramels. That is something that is true about both of us. The kind that you unwrap at Halloween, you know, mm. um, the craft caramels in the clear plastic. And I brought them with me to take up there and we got up there, we sat through the whole surgery and then um, they took her into the ICU and they said, we, we won't know until she wakes up. We just won't know um, if there was any damage or, or what's going to happen. And so we took turns going in and sitting with her. Two people could go in at a time and we all took turns. And I was the last one to go in. I walked in with my sister and the nurse was sitting right in the room and she still hadn't even moved since the surgery. And I, we sat there for a minute. I rubbed her feet for a second and then I just leaned up right next to her ear and I had the bag with me and I said to her, Annie, it's M and I brought you some caramels. And her eyes opened up right that second. And she said, where are they? I want some right now. And the nurse came running to the bed and Melissa just started crying because everyone was so happy that like she knew who she was, she knew who I was, she knew she liked caramels, you know? She, there were like a lot of connections being made right away. And um, when she came home from the hospital, she had a big scar all the way down her head and they had had to shave her head and she was so worried about it. and. You couldn't get it wet and she had all that yellow surgery stuff they put on and she wanted it washed off so bad. And, um, but they had said, you know, you can't get anything wet. And so Melissa called me and she's like, what should I do? And, and we were trying to think about it. And, um, I said, I think if you did this and this and this, it'd be fine. And so Melissa told her, this is what we're going to do. And she's like, no, no, I don't want you to do it. I want the one who brings caramels to do it. <laughs> so Melissa called me back and said, you better, you come over and do it and you better stop and get caramels on your way. And I was like, could we change my name to that? Yes. That's I am so about much better to. than Emily Bell Freeman. Just call me the, the one, one who, who brings, brings caramels. caramels. And I think that every time, because guess what? There is, there is someone who brings caramels. And that is what I think about every time I read this because Here's what the dues of Carmel is. In Jerusalem, there is a mountain, Mount Carmel. It's right in Jerusalem. And what happens in Jerusalem, if you've never been there, is it only rains big rain two times a year. They're, they call them the former rain and the latter rain. It's before the first harvest, and then you hope it comes again before that second harvest. And everything kind of is governed by that. You'll read it in scripture. But... Mount Carmel stays green all year round. And it's because of this really weird phenomenon that the way the clouds come in and pass through from the sea, they stop at Mount Carmel. They just hang over there um, 250 nights a year, not consecutively, but just 250 nights a year. And because of those clouds, dew comes, dew falls on Mount Carmel. And that dew keeps the mountain green all year round. In a desert country. In a desert country. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it just happens. And I, so let's think about this. In, in other words, what he's saying is, this is who I'm talking to, to you people who are going to bring this voice of gladness to the dead, to the living and the dead. Anyone who's going to be a part of this work for the living and the dead, the people who are going to be um, the... Um, the, on the mountains, the, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those that bring this glad tidings, right? These, these saviors on Mount Zion, this is my promise to you. Okay. This is my promise as the dews of Carmel. So shall knowledge descend upon you, right? I will bring Carmel. That's what he's saying. Mm -hmm. I will bring knowledge to you. If you go to the temple, if you work in the temple, your promise is 250 days of the year knowledge is going to descend upon you, right? Just, or in other words, whenever you need it, yeah. that's the promise. Knowledge will come to you 
whenever you're parched, whenever you are dry, when you, whenever you are in that moment where you are in need, that's the promise of attending the temple. And I love the thought of that. Every time I walk in and out of the temple, I just think of the one who brings caramels, mm. right? Mm. I just think about that promise of knowledge is going to descend upon me while I'm in the house, but also when I'm out of the house too. That promise mm. is going to follow me wherever I need it. And I love the thought of that as he's talking about the summum bonum, this privilege of the power of God that comes from being in the temple and, and just that thought of the one who brings caramels. And, and to me, I really love the idea that that particular mountain stays green, not because of heavy rain, but because of consistent small amounts of dew, mm-hmm. right? Like just steadily throughout the entire year. Like one day of dew probably does not give you enough yes. to keep it green. But 250 days of consistent dew can keep it mm. green. And it's just that whole concept of it happens a little bit yes. at a time, you know, like it just keeps coming for us individually and also for that, the one that holds those keys, mm-hmm. you know, as, as we're, we're seeing that there, that it's like that one who holds those keys will receive that little by little mm. as we move through. And, and over the span of it, you will, will always stay green. You know, be, because of that. And, and I would also say that as a promise in, in listening to the mouthpiece of God yes. consistently, that you will always be green, that it will come, you know, a little bit um, at a time for you. And, and I, I kind of feel like we have sort of this strange cultural idea floating around, you know, among us about kind of the role of those people that, that hold keys. And, mm. and when God right here says, about them, like the sum and bonum, the most important thing is for you to part the veil, for you to obtain all the powers of heaven. And I am going to give you this person who is going to teach you little by little and receive knowledge little by little to show you how to do that. And, and sometimes we look at the prophets that God has called as masters to us, when they're actually servants and, and they have come to like guide and to teach and, and, and to direct and to give mm. that, that they're a gift is, is what they, is what yeah. they are. And when and, they give that counsel and when they give that warning, we immediately want to go to this place of, well, let me decide, you know, and, and almost like we're going to pick and choose. And you love that when you think of them as a servant or as a gift, from God that he's like, but let me show you how. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this man to sacrifice his entire life. I was talking to our cute friend Nish, who is not a member of our faith, but is a Christian. And she likes to watch some of conference. And she was listening to Elder Renland and she's like, he sounds like he was a really smart man. And then she texted me back and said, Did you know he was a doctor? <laughs> and then she texted me back and said, like a really good doctor, like a cardiologist. <laughs> Did you know he was a cardiologist? And then uh, she wrote back and she was like, and now he's an apostle? Like he gave that all up for this. And I think we sometimes forget, like, do you know who Elder Oaks was before this? You know, yeah. do you know, like you almost want to go back through and be like, do you realize what he gave up in order to teach us? how to part the bell, the bell and how to receive instruction from heaven. Like he, he gave up everything he was known for to, to serve us. And do we approach them with that kind of gratitude? Yeah. What, what a great question. I, sometimes, you know, because we call them general authorities, sometimes people like kind of say like, oh, well, they kind of just give general counsel. And you can pick and choose where mm. you actually have your agency and you can, but you ought to understand that the council, like, it isn't. Yeah, the word general. Yeah, the general you is You might like, be confused on the word general. Right. We can't assign a new definition. If you take another um, authority position we have in the church, area authority, it means they have authority over an area. That's right? all. So their right? authority is for 
This and area. So, but when you say general authority, that person has authority over the general church, over everybody. Like their, their counsel is beneficial and a blessing to the whole general assembly of the firstborn. That is what I think of every time I hear general authority. Mm, that's so good. The general assembly of the firstborn is, is, a, is code language in scripture for those who have had the dues of Carmel poured out upon them, for those who have parted the veil and, and are receiving the powers of, of heaven. But it's like we sometimes see them as people who are trying to control us. And it's like, act, they are serving mm. us, you know, and, and they are. And, and we talked before we started about that verse where it's like, um, where he says, and they will have no difficulty in receiving this. I, I think what that means is like God's going to send it to the earth. But you and I have heard um, President Nelson and, and President Monson and President Hink speak of the difficulty the sacrifice, the yeah. late nights. Yes, that's you know? so true. And what, I love that you said ingratitude. Why are we, you know, why, why, are, why do we not approach it with gratitude first? For like, how about, how about this? Hey, President Nelson, you actually could have retired and you could be golfing in St. George <laughs> and skiing every day like you want to. And instead, you're waking up at two o'clock in the morning to listen intently, and every single one of us know what that's like to struggle and listen. And you're waking up at two o'clock in the morning to give me instruction little by little to help me part the veil and to help me obtain the powers of heaven. And I, and I will, I, they don't control me. Mm. They're not my masters, but I will always be in debt mm. to what they have done we and given. We love so much as you think about that same train of thought in 128 when Joseph says in verse 25, Brethren, I have many things to say to you on this subject, but I am going to close for the present, right? And then he says this. I'll continue another time. I am as ever your humble servant and never deviating friend. And I love that that is what you just described, right? Of President Nelson, uh, my humble servant. And um, a never deviating friend, you know, that, that he looks at my life and says, you know what, this could make it better. This, this could help you. Um, let me give you some advice. And there's so many other things he could be doing, but I love just thinking of, he could have written this and signed it, Russell M. Nelson. Yeah. And he would have said the same thing. Um, the last thing that we love about this 128, and we're going to go the best. back. Save um, the best yeah, for, for last. last. Because you're going to see this word gladness in 128, and you might want to count how many times that you read it there, but he's talking about this gladness. And then in verse 20, after he talks about the temple, he says, and again, what do we hear? Glad tidings from Cumorah. Um, and then he's like, remember everyone, let's go clear back. Let's go clear back. Remember when Moroni, an angel from heaven declared the fulfillment of the prophets and the book that was going to be revealed. And then remember the voice of the Lord in the wilderness of Fayette, Seneca County, declaring three witnesses were going to bear record of that book. And you love that there are like exclamation marks everywhere. He's like, you guys remember, remember, I want you to remember this. Remember when Michael came on the banks of the Susquehanna River? Remember when we were there and he directed the devil when he appeared to us as an angel of light? He detected the devil. And you almost wanted and, him to like add in details. He was like, remember, Oliver, you were so tired and muddy and, yes, I, and I carried you yes, on my back, yes, remember? Yes, he's like, and then, yeah, you just love it. He's <laughs> like, remember when Peter, James, and John came in the wilderness between Harmony and Susquehanna County and... Um, the Colesville and Broome County on the Susquehanna River. And, and he possessed the keys of the kingdom and the dispensation of the fullness of times. And again, the voice of God in the chamber of old Father Whitmer in Fayette, Seneca County, and at sundry times and in diverse places through the travels and the tribulations of this church of Jesus Christ. And remember when Michael came and Gabriel and Raphael and diverse angels and Michael and Adam down to the present time. And they gave it like, you love when he just starts going and he's like, you guys, we just got to, like, for one second, we just got to pause. And you almost just watch him going back over this whole entire journey. And um, there was a point a couple years ago when I did that same thing I got in 128. And I was like, I just, I just need to sit down and think about, do you remember everything we've just talked about? Everything mm. that we've just learned? And 
and I, I wrote this, it comes to mind when I think of the people we have met, Joseph Knight, you guys see if you remember all these people, Joseph Knight, who was a friend to Joseph and Emma, who was there even in the seventh trouble and Oliver Cowdery, who at the end of his life just wanted to be identified with the church and David Whitmer, who was called to assist and Martin Harris, who went from wicked man to witness and Oliver Granger, who learned that sacrifice is more important than increase, and his daughter, Sarah Granger Kimball, whose kitchen window thoughts led to the building up of an entire women's organization, and Jane James, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, who walked 800 miles on foot to meet the prophet, and Captain Fearnot, who counseled, whatever you do, do not deny the faith. And uh, we thought about Lucy and her boldness and unwavering courage, and Vienna Jacks, who told us never be afraid to do good, and Hiram, who was ever loyal, and that Colesville branch, who we loved, who left a beautiful farm to pursue such a beautiful future. And then you just have to think of the young, obscure boy of no consequence in the world who learned for himself about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think of glad tidings from Camorra and angels from heaven and miracles on the banks of Susquehanna and the keys of the kingdom and it was the memory of all these places and all these people that made Joseph say, courage, brethren, and on, on to the victory. Let your hearts rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And I just think, oh, don't you want to just sit down for a minute this week and say to your people who you study with, whoever it is, your family, your friends, your your group that you study with, or even just sit for a minute by yourself like I did a couple years ago and say, okay, I'm going to look back since January. And who are the people that have changed my understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And, and what are the places? And I mean, we've been, you guys think where we have been and where we're still going to go. We're not done yet. We've still, I think, got four field trips ahead of us, but we have lived in all of this bringing together this beginning of the church that we belong to and we believe in. And I love when Joseph is like, you should be glad of this. Is this what you hear yeah. is a voice of gladness or, or what do you hear about the church? Yeah. And what do you, and what do you see? And what are, I mean, are, are, are you seeing this list here where he's just like rights and keys and honors and majesties and glories and powers that are coming line upon line, little by little. Is that what you are seeing? Are you seeing the the miracles? Like, do you remember that one time I said to you when we were talking? I was like, "You live in the realm of miracles." <laughs> yes. You know, I thought it again as you were saying. I had this prompting to get caramels on the way to the hospital. I'm like, that people, <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> you know, and like you could be living in the fire. You could look around and say, like, I'm in the fire. Or you could be like, I, I'm in the refiner's hands hmm. is what I am, is what I'm in. And do you, do you see and hear the grumbling? And do you see and hear the mistakes? And do you see and hear restriction? Or, or do you see blessing and honor and power and exaltation and lifting and love? And yeah. I had know? the neatest experience a couple weeks ago. I was with a group of women and we were talking about just holding on to faith and why we stay. And there was this darling woman. I will never forget this sitting on the couch um, from San Clemente, just this cute little Bob haircut. And she said, I just don't understand why people speak so negatively about the church. She, and she was being so humble about it. And she said, do they not realize like what we have? Like, do you know what we have? And then she started listing everything and it was just so sweet and humble. I thought, I, I'm going to try and be as positive as I can be for the rest of my life. Everything I say about this church, it was just the sweetest spirit to hear her say what a privilege it was for her to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's... That's so sweet. And it just actually made me think about that Jim Gaffigan, like skit where he talks about <laughs> when people complain about like the seat belts on an airplane. And he's like, you're flying <laughs> at 30,000 feet and you're going to get to London in six hours. Like, stop looking at the seat belt 
and start looking at the fact that like, of course there's things wrong. Of course there's things to complain about, but can we take God's approach and look at everything and say, everyone, you're doing a great job, mm. you know? And can we just be loved and, and spread that love to others? Mm. And, and, and we can do this with the church in general, like Joseph did or in our own lives. Like, where have I seen all this? And his question in 22, shall we not go on in so great a cause? Like he's hunched over in an attic, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, I wouldn't trade this for the world. This is the greatest cause, you know, under heaven. And these, and these are the greatest people. And he says, let's sing, let your hearts rejoice <laughs> and let, and you know what? Let the earth start singing too in the mountains and the rivers and the stars and the moons and everything. And he says, and let's all speak forth anthems of eternal praise to the King Emmanuel. And that is a name of our king that we both adore Mm. because it is a name that means God among us. And let us praise the fact that he has been among us 250 days a year, that he's given us the gift of the prophets. And 365 Really? Yeah. I was doing the Carmel one, right? (laughs) And he's the one who brings caramels when he comes and encourages and has given us the gift of the prophets and the gift of, of each other. And, and come to redeem us from our prisons and to help us. He's Our God is Israel's God, the one who will deliver us and be in our stories mm. to deliver us. And whew, this stuff is like... So good. This is an exclam- That's what we're going to call this lesson, an exclamation point. Just okay, that only. fun. That's the name. <laughs> Won't it be good? Yeah. Okay. So Have a good week, everyone. See you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.